0: Welcome to What's in the Basement, a new podcast from the Berkshire Museum. In each episode, we will explore objects and stories from our collection of over 40,000 pieces of art, historical artifacts, and natural specimens. I'm Craig Langlois, Chief Experience Officer for the Berkshire Museum and host of What's in the Basement. Today, we are joined by...
1: I'm Jeff, and I'm the Executive Director at the Berkshire Museum.
0: Welcome, Jeff. Today's object is definitely not in the basement. It is also one of the largest objects in the museum's collection. Why don't we begin with you describing what we are looking at?
1: So this is a life-size fiberglass model of a Stegosaurus. It was made by the Louis Paul Jonas Studios in Hudson, New York. Uh, it's about 26 feet long, 7 feet wide, 12 feet at its tallest point, and it weighs 1,200 pounds. Uh, Stegosaurs are amongst the most recognizable dinosaurs, and this guy checks all the boxes. He's got the big lumbering body, bony plates standing vertically along either side of
0: his spine, the long narrow head, and sharp spikes on his tail. What's the story behind this piece? And how did it get here to the Berkshire Museum?
1: The original Stegosaurus mold was made to be part of the Sinclair Dinoland Pavilion at the New York World's Fair back in 1964 and 65. Uh, Jonas made nine different dinosaurs, and then he shipped them down the Hudson River by barge, 125 miles, to get to the fair. Can you imagine seeing that parade floating by? this piece was the second model made from that mold for 30 years it stood outside the cleveland museum of natural history before it was reconditioned and relocated to the berkshire museum in 1997. in cleveland they called him steggy but here we call him
0: wally i'm not an expert in this field but i imagine the name wally is quite unique for a stegosaurus where did that name come from
1: Yeah, so back in 97, when the model first arrived at the museum, there was a community-wide naming contest. Uh, And an elementary school student suggested Wally after he learned that the stegosaurus
0: had a brain about the size of a walnut. Wally is a fiberglass model of a stegosaurus. I want to switch gears, and can we spend some time talking about real stegosauruses? What do we know about real stegosauruses?
1: So like everything else in science, our understanding of dinosaurs is constantly evolving as we make new discoveries and connections. We're we're pretty confident about a few things. We know that stegosaurs lived approximately 150 million years ago during the late Jurassic period. They were slow moving, they were plant eaters, they lived in herds. It looks like they used their powerful spiked tails to defend themselves from predators like allosaurs. The spikes are called phagomizers. And they got their name from a Farside cartoon, if you can believe that. About 10% of the thagomizers that have been found have damaged tips. And allosaur fossils have been found with thagomizer puncture wounds. So that adds support to the theory that the spikes were used for defense. Stegosaurs get their name from the bony plates that are on their backs, which are called scutes. The paleontologist who discovered stegosaurs believed that the scutes lay flat on the animal's back like roof tiles, so he named them stegosaurs, which means roofed lizards. Later discoveries proved that the plates actually stood up vertically like sails, but the name stuck, roofed lizard. Scientists are still unsure what the plates were for. Some think that they were used to regulate body temperature, while others suggest that they were used for display purposes a way to show off, to get mates or to recognize others
0: of their species. And where did stegosauruses like Wally live?
1: This is a perfect example of how our knowledge develops with new findings. For over a century, we believed that stegosaurs only lived in what's now Western North America, because that's where all the fossils have been found. But in 2007, Stegosaurus was discovered in Portugal, proving that the animals also lived in what's today modern Europe. So who knows? Uh, New fossils are found every year. It'll be really interesting to see where they turn up next.
0: Jeff, what about dating fossils? How can we really say that something lived 150 million years ago and not 6,000 years ago or 150 years ago?
1: That is a great question, Craig. By studying the rock layers around the fossils, we have a few ways of figuring out how old the fossils themselves are. Today, we primarily use radiometric dating. So, this is a method of dating paleontological or archaeological specimens by analyzing the proportions of radioactive isotopes in a sample. So, you've probably heard of carbon dating, which is commonly used by anthropologists and historians. But if you need to date something that's older than, say, 50,000 years old, we've got to use other isotopes with a greater half-life, like uranium. Radioactive isotopes decay at a predictable rate. So scientists can do the math and determine the age of a rock and therefore determine the age of the fossil in the rock.
0: That makes a lot of sense, Jeff. Thank you. Let's come back to Wally. You mentioned earlier that this piece was created by the Louis Paul Jonas Studio. What was the Lewis Paul Jonas Studio?
1: Lewis Paul Jonas was an acclaimed taxidermist and wildlife sculptor known for his models of all kinds of animals. Probably familiar with his work if you've ever visited the National Museum of Natural History in Washington, DC, the Hall of African Mammals at the American Museum of Natural History in New York, or the Worlds of Miniature Gallery right here at the Berkshire Museum. Those dioramas were all by his studio. Berkshire Museum has maintained a relationship with Jonas Studios for over 85 years. Jonas himself approved the labels in our worlds of miniature gallery because he was so dedicated to making his natural history exhibits as realistic and as accurate as possible.
0: Jeff, our last question on what's in the basement always revolves around relevancy. Why do we choose to talk about this object today?
1: Well, Wally is about to leave us for a little while. He has been on permanent view outside the museum since he arrived here in the late 1990s. And he's been in the sun and the rain and the snow and outdoor pieces like Wally need a facelift every 20 years or so. Conservation is ongoing work at every museum for every object that we wish to preserve and Wally's no different. He'll soon be heading out to his second ever refurbishment and we'll miss Wally, while he's away, but we can't wait to see how good he looks when he comes back and we're so excited that he's getting the attention that he deserves.
0: Museum basements can be magical places. Even though we can't have all 40,000 objects on display, we can glimpse at the depth and breadth of the museum collection through programs like this. I am Craig Langlois, Chief Experience Officer for the Berkshire Museum. I hope you can join us for future episodes of What's in the Basement.